0: Hello, hello, my lovely, lovely audience. Today, you know, it's Nat, Natalie, Naturally, Ryan, you know I go by all three. And today, (laughs) I'm feeling kind of weird, so you're getting a little bit of a weird intro, but today, on this episode of When Anxious Kids Grow Up, Where Do They Go? I'm going to be talking about something that pisses me off. And as you can tell, It's gonna be a hell of a ride if I'm already this funky and I'm 30 seconds into the episode. So, um, I'm on the internet a lot. I bet you could, I bet you could, you could justifiably guess that. I mean, I have a podcast and I have a YouTube channel. You're probably like, wow, that's a nerd. And that's fair. That's totally fair. Like, a lot of... My friends, I keep in touch with them through the internet. Um, The majority of my friends at this point actually don't even live near me. Most of them live in different countries or different states. So, yeah. The internet, I'm always on it. Because even if I'm... I work from home, so I'm like on Zoom calls, and I'm constantly doing meetings and writing documents. Um, I volunteer for an organization I used to be in, but I do that virtually. I'm in a virtual dance crew. Like... Everything I do, I have to have my computer for it. And then, when I'm not doing things, like, productive things, I'm watching, like, anime. Like, I'm in the middle of Hunter Hunter. And I'm almost done with it, and it's so good, and I'm going to cry about it. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's one app that I used for the first two months of quarantine, and then I swore never again. I just swore never again. TikTok. I hate TikTok. Um, that's not that's not a hot take. But I'm on YouTube a lot, and YouTube is also I could say it's equally as toxic of a platform, but you can kind of ignore the toxic elements of it. TikTok, with its algorithm, with how it's set up, there is no way to avoid, and this is because there's never you don't reach a bottom of your TikTok feed. You get a video after a video after a video after a video. Like on YouTube I can look at the clock and see, oh, it's 2 a.m., I need to go to bed after this video. With TikTok, you can't even- it's like the casino of apps, it's like the casino of apps. You don't have any indication, you don't know whether it's day or night, you can't see your clock, you don't know where you are, you're just surrounded by LED lights and people who are probably a little little tipsy. Like, I I don't understand, I don't understand. Um, And I did use TikTok. We're going to get into what the actual theme of today's episode is, but I did use TikTok. Um, The TikTok that I made that got the most views, it was, like, 14,000, and it was me basically saying that K-pop is, like, the new emo movement, Um, and that's because, like, I was an emo kid in the early 2000s, um, and I'm still an emo kid. Like, I wish you could see me right now. I'm wearing all black, and yeah, Um, (laughs) but, like, I noticed a lot of similarities between how K-pop fandoms formed versus how emo fandoms formed, and I was like, oh. That would be interesting. Well, the only reason that it got popular—and it's not even really that popular—but the only reason it got that many views is because I said something controversial, and people either loved it or hated it. And now you're thinking that. Nah, why are you bringing up TikTok? What's like what's going on? Well, I watched a video last night by a lovely YouTuber who I'm actually going to watch more of. Um, I can't remember her name right now, but she's absolutely fantastic. And apparently TikTok has a beauty algorithm. Yes, you heard me right. Beauty algorithm. And you're saying, what's a beauty algorithm? It will literally analyze your face and see whether or not you're attractive. Have you ever noticed why all of the TikTok stars, all the TikTok girls who get famous, all kind of look the same. They've got the same, like, straight hair, small nose, big eyes. Have you noticed that? Because I have. And they all have very similar body types. I've noticed that. Part of the reason I don't use TikTok is because I would get upset. People are just on that app to be mean. Um, people would just say the rudest, the rudest stuff to me. And, like, I... I- my internal dialogue as someone who's very anxious and just very, you know, generally upset, (laughs) um, I don't want to hear more negative things because my brain already feeds me some negative stuff. I don't need to have an external source of that. Like, I am great at producing it on my own, you know? Um, and so I didn't need that. I didn't need the negativity. I didn't need the hate. And I realized that TikTok was making me a person that I didn't like being because I would- go out of my way to, like, clap back at these people. I'm gonna go out of my way to say something that's, like, you know, rude or snarky or sassy, when, in all actuality, did I really want to? Not necessarily. I didn't want to be that way, but it felt like it was a defensive measure. Like, if I could clap back against them and people would be like, oh, that was such a good comeback, then it was a way that I could protect myself from thinking that their criticism was true. So yeah, you know, I i don't know. So TikTok just, it was making me into a person I didn't like being. I didn't like spending 45 minutes on a little tiny video when I could spend 45 minutes and edit the first five to eight minutes of a long form video for YouTube. I like video editing like that way more. And I, I don't know. I just fell off of it. Like, I didn't like opening the app and seeing people who were so much prettier than me somehow like getting millions of views and I'm making the same videos they are and me going, "Well, what's the problem?" So anyway, this YouTuber I watched, she basically went over the the beauty algorithm and how like it doesn't you don't have to be beautiful to become viral. You don't have to. But there is a virality algorithm to TikTok, where they they assess what's happening in each video, and they say, well, what's the chance, like, what's the likelihood of this going viral? And if it's got a higher likelihood, then it gets pushed up to people's feeds a lot faster and a lot more. That's how things go from having 100 views to 100 million. Which, fine, whatever, you know, that's just how it is. With the beauty algorithm, it works in tandem. It works in tandem with this virality algorithm. It's not saying that someone who's not pretty or doesn't meet those features can't blow up, but what it is saying is that if you fit this idea of beauty that a literal computer is assessing, you will be pushed forward in the virality algorithm. Like, you'll you'll be a step ahead. It's literally pretty privilege. Like, come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> uh, and you may be saying that, like, why are you, what, what, <laughs> why are you bringing this up? The reason, my dear and lovely listener, that I'm bringing this up on this fine day is because I've been thinking a lot about social media. I mean, come on, we're on social media every day for hours at a time, especially if you live in, like, you know, here's the thing. Social media is such a first world problem because, like... If you have enough time to just sit around and your worst problem is that you you have so much time to sit around and scroll through photos that other people are posting like that's kind of like a privileged problem to have so in that regard like it means that you probably don't have to worry about tons and tons in your life or like the things that you need are awarded to you like a place to sleep clean water food like that's the sort of stuff I'm talking about but today's theme today's topic is the fact that social media is both a blessing and a curse. Because I think that social media really does have a great impact on mental health. I talked to my friends who in their worst depressive episodes are spending five, six, seven hours on Instagram a day. I even noticed with myself that when I was incredibly anxious and I was sad and I was not getting out of bed very often I would spend like four hours on it. And I'm not proud of that. I'm not proud of spending four hours on Instagram. I can I could not tell you what I looked at or what I was doing. I couldn't tell you a single thing. All I can tell you is that a sixth of my day was spent staring at my phone screen. And that, like, if, oh, that just bothers me knowing that. Knowing that that is like what I did. But, like, I have to not knock social media that hard, and here's why. Some of my closest friends reach out to me through Instagram and through Discord, and, like, they make sure that I'm doing okay through those platforms. Not only that, I have some people who I would never have met without the internet. I have friends in Hong Kong who I love and adore and who I need to talk to more. I have a really cute girl in Japan who... I, like, talk to occasionally, but I get nervous because she's really cute. Um, I don't know. I... I've got friends in other states. I have friends across... I have friends in so many different states across the country, and if I did not have social media, keeping up with them would be near impossible. I can't write... I can't write 40 letters. I can't do that. I mean, I could, but then that's the majority of my time is spent writing and hoping for a response back. This, like... If I'm ever awake super, super late, I can message one of my friends in China or one of my friends in Japan and be like, hey, oh, are you up? And then guess what? They usually are. And then we can talk while I'm like editing a video or finishing a paper and it's super late at night here, but it's like a normal time of the day there. I have friends in Germany who I love and adore and miss very dearly, who after they left my my school's foreign exchange program, I thought that I would never see them again. Oh, guess what? We are still in touch. It's great. Like, I have friends from Denmark who we still, like, we're friends on social media still, and like, we're friends on Facebook, (laughs) which is super dated to say, but at the time, like, people still had Facebook, so I am not that old. It's just a strange thing, because I can sit here and I can be upset that I use social media so much, but at the same time, part of the reason I am using social media so frequently is because that's how I talk to my friends. That's how I get to talk to people on a daily basis, especially in quarantine for the negatives of social media uh well a comparison first of all um I recently posted like four sets of different selfies that I took because I was like feeling cute and my friend was hyping me up and like I just felt good (laughs) um and I loved like I loved being able to do that I loved being able to just have like Something to boost my confidence and then people would comment on it and they would tell me that they loved my outfit or that I was looking pretty whatever else like it was just it was it was something good. Um, and then I I was thinking about posting a dancing video And then there's a girl that I know who's like super duper talented and she also posts dancing videos and like she has Almost eighty thousand subscribers on youtube and I was like, oh, well, why am I even going to try if she already has that like social media In my case, it almost reinforces the negative thoughts I have about myself in in very strange ways. In terms of, like, one of my biggest fears is that I have already run out of room to become a performer. I've already run out of room to become a musician. And what I mean by that is there is no place in the industry left for me. That's what I worry about. I worry about if someone else is succeeding, is that taking away a chance of success for me? And I know that that's not true. I know that that's not how that works. If people want you to be in the industry, they will make room for you. I get it. But when you're sitting alone in your bedroom making content and posting things on social media and making your little podcast episodes, when you're doing that and you're not seeing immediate thousand subscribers, immediate fame, immediate clout... (laughs) You can think, well, if my if my content isn't getting picked up, what is the problem with me? What am I not doing right to fit the algorithm? And I don't ever want to fit an algorithm. I think that's stupid. I think it's I think it's stupid. It's literally the same sort of idea for popularity in middle school and high school, where if you know one person, then you'll get to know the next. Like it's the same sort of. It's it just feels so similar to all of these things that I've tried to escape. It feels so similar to these toxic, toxic social environments that I swore I didn't want to be a part of after I graduated. And yet here I am spending four four hours on Instagram. Here I am wanting, wanting so desperately to be one of those YouTubers with a million subs or two million or five million or 50 million. Here I am sitting here and hoping for something that I've tried so desperately to avoid. And I think that's sad. I would realistically love to be able to make money off of my music online or off of my videos. That would be so cool. Because for me, someone who can't leave their house, someone who doesn't know if they can get the vaccine yet due to the autoimmune disease I have, like, having online income is seriously ideal for me and that's part of the reason my job is so ideal is I don't have to work in the office for almost a year I've been working from home I was hired in June July sometime around there and so like for the last year I've never actually been to work in the building that m- my business is at. never been there <laughs> ever <laughs> well I mean Hang on, I, I went there before the pandemic, um, but I attended like support groups there. I didn't. I was never there to work. Is my point. And I would love, I would have, I would love to be there to work. It's it's a gorgeous building downtown. It's right next to my college. It's it's just beautiful, and I love it. It's one of my favorite places um, in the state that I live in. I love it so very much, but I can't do that safely, and working from home, being able to make money basically virtually. Although, like, my job it's not like I'm posting a selfie on Instagram and then getting a thousand dollars because it's actually an ad. Like that's not what I'm doing. I I actually have to, you know, think cognitively about solutions to problems in the mental health system. So it's a bit of a different it's a bit of a different approach. Um and you know, like I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be really honest, because I'm always really honest on the podcast. Am I a little salty that there are people who are my age and who who are multimillionaires from posting fifteen-second dance videos? Yeah, <laughs> yes, I'm salty. If I was if I was any older, if I was 24, if I was 22, I would be even more pissed. I would be even more pissed because that's that's like that's someone who barely became an adult, and because because of a dumb stroke of luck they're living the dreams of so many other people and that's not anything that's not i I, like i'm not really mad at those people who i'm not mad at the people who are there i'm mad at the fact that like we're living in a time in an era that has the technology to make people famous overnight because that was always the thing especially when i was younger when i would talk about wanting to be a musician when i would talk about wanting to be a performer people would always say oh well fame doesn't happen overnight Mm, I think we need to reassess that statement, sir. (laughs) Because now it's seeming—it's seeming more and more each day, like it is. I don't know so many celebrities now because I just stopped keeping up with it. Like I just—I stopped trying to figure it out. I stopped trying to like (laughs) put names to faces. There's still so many celebrities that I don't know, and people my age are like, "What do you? What you don't know this person?" And I was like, honey, I thought Billie Eilish was the young one. I don't know what the hell's going on. Love Billie, though. Love Billie very much. I would love to hang out with her. Oh, I think she's so cool. And my point is, is that it's... How sustainable is fame that you get from a TikTok? How sustainable is fame that you get from going viral for, for that short amount of time? Does anyone remember... Um, The girl, the Cash Me Outside girl from Dr. Ville? Does anyone truly remember her in a light that's actually positive? Does anyone remember that nine-year-old Lil Tay? That might not even be the name of the kid, but, like, the the kid who, like, would just essentially flaunt around big stacks of cash. Like, do you remember those people who went viral? But not only do you remember them, do you remember a... do Do you genuinely remember them in a way that they would be happy about you remembering them by? Do you see them as good people? Do you think that your favorite YouTubers, influencers, social media stars—do you think that they're good people? That's something that I've I've been pondering lately. Like, I obviously, if you've listened to the podcast before, I bring up K- I bring up K-pop a lot just because, like, I am learning K-pop dances. I love, I love doing it. And, um, I do really love K-pop. I'm, I'm learning Korean as my third language. And so far, like the music really helps in addition to the language learning. Well, I always think I hear about these scandals of these idols. Um, someone, one of the members from BAP, which is a, a group that has now since broken up, but they, he's, he's going to court for sexual assault. Like, I mean, there was a member of Stray Kids who was accused of sexual assault. There are these people- Xiongri from Big Bang is currently on trial for a plethora of crimes that happened at a club. Like, I look at these cases, and these cases are always so fascinating to me because K-pop is so, like, shiny on the surface, and it's always so, so, like, trying to be perfect, trying to give off these perfect personas, but then these crimes just slip through the cracks and they come out and you go there's something not right here and you you know that you know that deep down there's probably a chance that your favorite idols aren't good people and I know that's sex to say and I know that if K-pop stands here this like you your first thing is gonna be to get defensive and I get that I feel because if someone came up to me and told me that like the boys in 17 were bad people I would be upset because like I love them but can you be sure? You don't know them in real life. And it's the same thing with all these social media influencers. You don't know these people in real life. No matter how many posts on Instagram they make, you're never going to know about who they truly, truly are unless you meet them and become friends with them. But that's a one in a million type of chance. Okay. I feel like social media and the rise of these internet stars and the rise of really just the rise of, of celebrity in general. And I say the rise of celebrity because it seems like more and more we put a lot of emphasis on celebrities and on on what they do. Even if what they do is is not much. But with the rise of trust being put in celebrities, the rise of celebrity, period, it, it kind of just kind of worries me in some ways because yeah we can talk about cancel culture we can talk about how cancel culture like isn't necessarily ideal and how even when people get canceled what does that really mean there's still people who follow shane dawson after knowing what he did james charles went through a lot of stuff and people ousted him and then and showed off all of these really negative things and he still has millions of followers what does it truly mean? Because even when your favorite celebrities are denounced as bad people, and there will always be people to defend them. Always. And that's the thing, is, is if tomorrow I did find out that my favorite idols, like the people that I've looked forward to hopefully meeting, people that I have paid so much money to see at concerts, those sorts of people, if it came out that they were actually terrible people and did awful, awful things, I'm going to put my values and my morality over stan culture. And it kind of scares me when people don't do that. <laughs> like, it kind of scares me. Um, I think that social media has led to a rise in... I feel like it's rewritten The American Dream. And let me... I've done a lot of of writing on The American Dream as a topic, because my favorite book is The Great Gatsby so i have written many many essays on the american dream and what it means and originally the american dream was like the nuclear family white picket fence american flag on the porch i don't know two kids and a dog type deal but if you ask most kids most elementary school kids what they want to do when they grow up they say youtuber they say youtuber (laughs) Like, as if it's a viable career path that you don't just get kind of accidentally. Like, I know there are content creators I watch who barely have 10,000 subscribers. And in in terms of social media numbers, that is a, a small fish. Who make better content than people with 5 million subs. And they're never going to be able to compete on that level unless people like branch out from those big creators and, and watch other people and I know that, it, it makes me really sad but social media has rewritten the American Dream and in, in, in some ways it kind of hasn't, in some ways it's just capitalized on everything the American Dream was because the American Dream was all about keeping up appearances, of being perfect of, of having more than enough of of exuding abundance That's what the American Dream truthfully was. It was being able to live comfortably and and buy things and do things without the worry of money. And maybe that's just my nihilistic take as someone who is never going to be able to afford a house or pay off student loan debt, but in some ways, social media maybe has not rewritten the American Dream, but it's capitalized on everything the American Dream sought to show off to the world the perfect the perfect body the perfect life the perfect family so much money that you could never ever worry about something again and we know it's all fake we know it's all fake but it's it still sucks seeing it and thinking for a moment that it could be real anyway that's all I wanted to talk about, was uh, social media and, and all of that sort of stuff, because I feel like it's really going to be an integral part of how our culture is analyzed by future historians. <laughs> anyway, after that vaguely depressing episode, um, you know what? Like, Love you guys. You all know that. I have so many listeners in so many countries, and it makes me so happy. Um, I, if you—hang on, I'm going to call out a certain country— If you are any of my listeners in Germany, I love and adore you. If you are my newest listeners in New York or in Illinois, I love you too. And if you're wondering how I know where you're from, it's because I get an analytics thing. It shows me what regions of the world are listening. So, love you very much. Thank you very much. You're very cool. Um, to my friends in real life who I have not been able to see in almost a year, I love you and, you know, you're, you're pretty great. You're very... You're very good and you deserve to be nicer to yourself. To all of my friends who don't live near me, who live in another state or another country, guess what? I love you too. Um, make sure you compliment yourself on something you did well today and then if you are just one of my listeners in some of the states or countries that i pointed out er, (laughs) later later that i pointed out earlier guess what i love and adore you too you're really an mvp i adore you even if i don't know you other than that uh, stay safe uh, wash your hands wear a mask you know we're gonna get through it it's gonna be fine (laughs) um Goodbye, everyone, and I will see you in the next episode.